Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing wonderfully. Yeah. Are we yelling? <laughs> yes, we're going to yell really loudly into the microphone, and I'm sure I'm clipping the input. <laughs> this is just like that uh, those um, commercials that say, come down Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you better come down now, or I'm going to clip this baby seal. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I will shoot this dog if you don't buy this magazine, little mad magazine <laughs> buy reference. This car. Buy this car. Yeah. Buy this used car from, from uh, Tex. Anyway, <laughs> so you have located... The Practical Guitarist Podcast, either for the first time or yet again. If you're listening regularly, or if you're listening irregularly, or if you've never listened before, you can join the Practical Guitarist Facebook group on on Facebook. Yes, it's a Facebook group. And as always, you can review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, any of those things. If you'd like to, you can reach out to us directly on the Practical Guitarist Podcast at gmail.com. Well, that was something. I don't know what, but something. I'm just so, I'm having a good mood, man. We just did that. We just did another episode a few minutes ago and it was great. Oh. It was awesome. I had a lot of fun. I thought it was hilarious. I just uh, I'm I'm still kind of getting over it. You're I'm still running on the high. Yeah. So, so um <clears throat> back to uh, our plain old boring lives. Um so you not not definitely not a boring thing. You have a new baby in the house. Uh, yeah, we, I, I, my, so what happened, I went to the local guitar store, um, Good Time Music in Streamwood, Illinois, and they had 12 new GNLs come in all at once. And I'm walking in and they're, I'm packing them. I'm like, Ooh, cause I'm a GNL guy. Like I got an S500 already. So I was already in the market for guitar. Uh, I picked up a bunch of different GNLs and tried them all out. And I tried PRS, uh, S2, and some other things. And I ended up falling in love with this S500. So I put it back on the rack, and somehow, I don't know how it happened, but it jumped into the box, and then the box jumped into the back of my guitar, or back of my guitar, the back of my car. And when I got home, all I could hear was these strings vibrating. And I was like, what the hell? So I opened up the trunk, and there it was. So I carried it in the house, and it's still here. Um, This is the story that I've been telling my (laughs) wife. Yeah. Uh, um, no, in honesty, I, I to be completely transparent for what me, I did. You mean did that buy, didn't really happen? No, <laughs> no. And she saw right through it too. Um, no, in all honesty, uh, my wife is great when it comes to this stuff, but I, I, I bought a guitar yesterday and I really wasn't clear. I, I, the text message I sent her was something like, um, how did I, how did I put this to her? It was like, I'm talking Turkey about this guitar. Followed by, I'm buying this guitar. Instead of saying, I'm talking turkey about this guitar, what do you think? I didn't ask her what she thought, and so I caught a whole lot of shit for that. All um, right, so you have to be you have to be straightforward with our listeners. What did you give up to get that? I guitar? gave up my Ethos Overdrive, uh, the six hundred and seventy five dollar Overdrive pedal that has like thirty knobs and switches. It's got an effects loop, and it's got uh, 
speaker simulated out, and it has amp compensation versus full range, and it's a fantastic pedal. But I have a but I have a Helix now. And For those so who don't know, he's actually got it in his hands, and he's yeah. showing it to me. Well, I like to have things to fondle yeah. <laughs> when we talk on the podcast, because then I can like look at it, and I can, like, oh, it's got a bright switch, and a modern or classic switch, and a rock and jazz switch. It also has controls for trouble middle bass presence, trouble middle bass presence volume on the gain channel. Uh, no. Wow. I'm, I'm not going to go. And it has a boost, which is actually really cool, too. Um, but no, it's it's a killer pedal. But I sold it. I got a really good deal selling it. It paid for the GNL completely. Um, so the GNL was, I got a deal on it, but it was pretty close to map. Um, but yeah, so I got a baby blue. Uh, they call it Sonic Blue. Yeah. And it's a very light blue GNL with a rosewood board. Yeah. Uh, it's another S500. It does not sound like my USA S500. It sounds it has it has more of a Strat sound to it, uh, a little bit of Les Paul. The difference is being that my uh, USA is an ash body. This is a mahogany body. Right. Uh, rosewood board makes a difference there as well. And uh, the the electronics and stuff are pretty much the same. I mean, yes, of course you got Korean pots or, or Indonesian pots, yeah. um, but for the most part, it's all pretty much the same. Yeah. Uh, pickups are USA pickups. That's one of the great values of buying a, a tribute from GNL. Is that you get the USA pickups and the USA bridge? The bridge is freaking phenomenal on those things. So I'm really stoked to have it. Um, it plays really good, and uh, I've actually started recording a track with it already. So um, got to take it back and get it set up this week. But so, like I said, there's a there's an S500 at Guitar Center, and right after I saw yours, I went, "Wow, there's a sun uh, burst." Um, you know what is that? Amber burst or whatever. Um, Oh no! That was just a regular. It's a regular uh, three tone sunburst. Or three tone sunburst. Yeah, three tone sunburst at uh, Guitar Center, and I was like, "Oh, well." The thing that's the thing that sucks. So this is this is the, my my only caveat with buying a tribute. Um, they make the S five hundred in three colors, right? Every year, right? It's three different colors, but it's three colors. It's always a sunburst. It's always a vintage white, which is like a cream color. Yep, and then it's and then it's another color. So sometimes they've done you know different. They've done different ones. I think they did a red one. Um, I'd have to I'd have to go back and look and see what the the previous one was. But I was super excited to see that they were doing Sonic Blue this year. So when I saw that the other day, because I've actually been looking at them for about a week now. When I saw that they were doing Sonic Blue the other day, I was like, man, I was like, it's a hard. I'm hard pressed not to do it. Um, the original intention of buying this guitar was to scallop the neck. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not. They've got huge jumbo frets. You can barely feel the fretboard anyway. Yeah. Um, but I, but I'm thinking about it. It's in, it's in the back of my mind. If I get, if I get crazy, I might. Well, you know, <clears throat> you can always do the, uh, the Steve Vai, uh, Billy Shan thing and scallop the, uh, higher frets. A lot of people are saying scallop from 12th up because you tend to play your leads up in that area anyway. Yep. And so, and that's actually not true for me. I tend to do a lot of lower lead playing, but I get what they're saying. And then you get the maximum chordal flexibility up at the top. So you can play all your chords. They all still ring out in tune and that kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm considering maybe doing a 12th fret. So when the big Yngwie, thing is I don't want to sacrifice stability. Right. So. When Ingve does his scallop. His um, is full. What is... What is yeah? What kind of frets is he using? Uh, he's using jumbo yeah. at that point too, big, big frets. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of people think that like, oh well, that's just a substitute for having big frets, and it's it's really not. I mean, 
when you play a note, you're going to feel the fretboard, even with the super ginormous bass frets like Stevie Ray Vaughan used to use. Right. You're still going to feel the fretboard. Um, this is more for giving you the ability to bend and getting underneath the note a little bit. Yep. I think even with a, a shallow scallop, because I've seen guitars that have you know varying levels of scalloping going on, yep. even with a shallow scallop, you may still feel the neck a little bit. Um, but I know like the deeper ones like Ingve has on his guitar, you ain't gonna feel the fret or the, right. the fret. You're just not. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a um that's a that's pretty cool. The S five hundred again, that looks pretty cool to me. I might have to play it. See what it feels oh, you like. you might so just to give our listeners who, who aren't familiar with the, the pickups in those styles of guitars, um that they use the the uh GNL patented MFD design pickups which are basically a big ceramic bar magnet um, and they use less wire. And there's a couple of, you know, a couple of unique design innovations that he came up with when they were designing those. I know there's obviously knockoff pickups of those now available. Uh, I don't think the patent is still, uh, well, no, I think they still are patented because I believe the, uh, the pickup cupboards have the, have the uh, patent number stamped into them. Um, but that being said, they give you kind of a P90 sound, maybe with a little less bass, maybe not as woolly, maybe a little bit more in control. Um, if you're looking at P90s, check out the MFD pickups because they they give you a lot of the same qualities. So, and that's the big claim to fame with the S500 is that it's it's MFDs in a Strat style guitar because the MFDs originated in the in the um the Tele style guitars they make. So, I kind of um uh kind of I'm excited for you. I I went out and I. Uh, put some stuff down to hold a, um, uh, a PRS Custom 24. With if anybody a, wants a blue Les Paul, Floyd Rose, yeah, talk to Jim. He yeah. needs to sell a blue Les Paul. So yep. I just want to make that clear to everybody. So, yeah. Um, well, and and so so what happened was I wanted to uh, you know the, the Les Pauls are getting a little heavy. Um, and so I I picked up a um, CE 24. As you all know, and uh, I'm playing an ESP LTD uh, EC1000, which is really nice and really, really comfortable. The pickups are a lot harder, a lot hotter. Yeah. Um, but what I'm getting at is, so um, I brought that Les Paul in, and the um, uh, push push for splitting the coil pushed in and won't go back, or, or popped out, but won't go back in and stay in. Uh, for the rhythm pickup, which is ridiculous. So um, they're contacting uh, Gibson, and it's been almost a month, and Gibson has not returned their um, calls. It reminds me of that uh, that case I had with Fender on that amp, you know, where they would not get the freaking part out, even though we were wanting to pay for it. Yeah. Want to send it. Customer service people, get your customer service in order. So anyway, yeah, cool stuff. Cool stuff coming out of the uh, the guitar community this week. Not well, not necessarily the community, the uh, the industry. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Line Six, and Line Six has a fancy new product coming out that actually fills a big marketing niche um, that even I'm kind of interested in. Uh, they brought out their new. Um, I'm looking for it in their navigation right now, so I can I can say the name of it perfectly. 
but I'm not seeing it yet. Uh, they brought out the new power cabs, which are one by twelve cabinets with a full range speaker that actually use modeling to produce the sound of a speaker. Now, the the price on these, uh, first and foremost, I'm looking to see if they say, have a suggested repeller or their map price on their thing, and I, I don't believe they do. But their their map price, I believe, is six ninety nine. Seven ninety nine, and take that at face value because it may actually be five ninety nine and six ninety nine. I believe it's six ninety nine, seven ninety nine though. Um, so they're they're fairly expensive. They have the they have the regular and they have the plus. The plus gives you um, more ins and outs, and well, it also has, has the modeling. So this has the built in modeling and power, right? Okay, so let me let me back up. What these do, okay, so we'll talk about the basic one, right? right. It has uh, six speaker modes. Yes, six speaker modes. Okay, so it's a it's a full-range speaker that'll do a vintage 30. It'll do a green back. It'll do a cream back, which they misspelled in their marketing. It'll do a P12Q, a swamp thing, and a bluebell. Okay, so it gives you all of those options available in terms of modeling. So you can plug any full-range enable like anything that has a non-speaker simulated out plug it in there and then use it to simulate the speaker so you get an actual guitar amp that's pumping out these sounds behind you uh, i believe it's it's 250 watts i think it puts out a significant volume um again that really depends on the efficiency of the speaker but yeah they're not playing around it's 250 watts um it also has an xlr direct out it has uh so if you want to go direct to the board, you can do it. That the plus model adds some additional features, and what it adds is an additional input jack. Uh, it has 128 presets, and what those presets are for is the included impulse response loader. So you can load an IR into this thing in addition to using the inbuilt models. Now, there's a this is where the, things start to get a little fuzzy for a lot of people. Okay, so IRs model not only the speaker, but the microphone as well. So it models that part of the rig. So if you're going to load an IR in this, it's not going to be the same as just using the speaker model, where the speaker models that are built into the unit just model that speaker. And so what that gives you is the ability to have the amp in the room with you sound, or if you use an IR, it's the mic'd up amp in the studio sound. Okay, And there is a difference. I've been kind of tinkering around with both. Uh, both scenarios um, in my own playing, and I, and I I tend to prefer the amp in the room sound. But that being said, I can also get by. I'm not the I'm not the guy that's saying like I can only do that. No, I can get by with the mic'd up speaker sound that comes from you know your traditional modeler. What's cool about these? Of course, they're loud. They're giggable. Uh, yeah. They're compact. They have top notch construction. It's actually they're not um so they're plywood they're seven ply birch i believe and they're actually bent so instead of being different pieces of plywood that are affixed together with glue they're bent and molded like you do plastic for you know using it like a pa cab and i would not be surprised to see the next line of their amps that comes out doing the same thing uh cuz that's a really cool construction technique and it actually improves the stability of the of the cabinet and the way that it flexes so there's a couple of a couple of new things in here. Now, here's where the raging debates come in. Are these damn things too expensive? What do you think, Jim? 
Well, I'm looking at it now. So I'm looking at the uh, 599 version. Um, I'm talking about 599. Um, it includes uh, the mode. Um, I'm looking at Sweetwater right now. Okay. Uh, it it's got volume control. It's, uh, no, I don't think it's too expensive at all. Um, it's got a low cut. It's got a ground lift, so you can go out and come from this right over to your. Uh, so it's it's kind of like um, it's not a modeling amp. It's a modeling speaker. But yeah, which you, which allows you to bring your own modeler, basically. Right. But you're allowed. I mean, with the looks of this thing, looking at. Uh, it's very basic looking. It doesn't look like space age or anything like that. No, and it looks like it's pretty self-explanatory as far as the interface goes. It's very um, looks very easy to work, unlike a lot of Line Six stuff. But the beauty of it is, hey, I want a lot. I want um, for this. I want a uh, a green back. There it is. And yep. now I want um, a cream. There it is. And now I want um, a Bayou, which I imagine is like a the old PV Classic Thirty. That style of of amp. Um, and no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend like. It's also got flat uh, response, so you can use it. You can use it flat response with your your helix. Yeah. Um, or you could turn off the the cab modeling in the helix and let this thing do the cab. Now I have. I do have a couple of problems with this thing. Number one. All right, it works great if you're using Line Six gear because it has, um, the 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 uh, the plus does anyway. It has the the Line Six input to right. trigger it and everything, and to select your models and all that. Yep. Um, what I would love is that this had some sort of MIDI integration or a switching arrangement so that, let's say I'm playing one song, I'm thinking about you, Jim, as a as a cover artist. Like you play one song, and you need that AC thirty tone, so you got the you got the blue speaker going. And then you're, you know, then you're gonna play the list of Led Zeppelin. So then you're hitting the you're hitting the green back, yep. you know, and and you're, you you need to be able to switch those speakers on the fly. The way that it's arranged right now, you have to go back and touch it on the amp. Well, it's got um, now the high end one, the seven ninety nine one, has MIDI control. Oh, does it? Yeah, look at the back. So, oh, uh oh, yep. Jim caught me. Jim caught me. Yep. So I can control. I didn't recall it. seeing that. And it looks like it, it looks like it, it also looks like it has USB, which means you can probably control it from a. Uh, that's for the IR. Lo- that's for the IR loader. For the IR loader, yeah. So, yeah. Um, honestly, I don't think it's overpriced, and I think that I think it's the answer to um, people like me who are using a Helix but don't want to use a standard guitar cab. Because honestly, I've never met a. Um, multi-effects pedal that does it all well enough for me to go into a regular thing, but this looks like a regular guitar amp, where this looks like it's got it. Okay, so here, here's... And, and being I, as... I'm uh, actually going to agree with you. Yeah. These are not overpriced. Nope. For the feature set, this is first company to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. You want this, you're going to pay. It's first generation. I don't... I actually don't even think they're that expensive. Even for being well, even, even, that seven ninety nine, you're going to pay for an amp with this with this kind of with less I, a lot less than that. If I go buy a Mesa one by twelve right now, I'm going to get one speaker sound, and I'm going to pay that much money. Right. And 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 to be honest with you, I say Mesa. I'm going to poo poo on everybody's parade. Look, there are good cabs out there from other companies. 
Yeah. But Mesa makes the best cabs I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I've tried a lot of different cabinets over the years, and Mesa is is cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, I've had Orange. I've had Marshalls. Mesa's where it's at. All right. So anyway, looking at um, looking at this product, where, where I think they where I think they pissed me off. Okay. Was was that all I want from Line Six? I have a Helix. Right, I have a fifteen hundred dollar guitar processor yep. that needs either a PA or an amplifier to actually produce sound for on stage. Right. Okay. All I want from Light Six is a three hundred dollar powered speaker. I don't oh. need anything else. I don't need fucking modeling. I don't need a direct out. I got that in the Helix already. All I want is to be able to amplify what the Helix puts out. And it, I, I'm not. It doesn't have to be three hundred dollars, but it should be reasonably priced. And that's the thing. Like. This okay, fine. I get it. If you need those features and if you want those features, eight hundred bucks, no problem. But if you just need a louder helix, if you need to be able to amplify your helix without a PA, why do I have to go to their stage source speakers? Why do I? You know what I mean? Like I, I would rather buy third party. There's a lot cheaper options that sound just as good. But they already know that. I mean, if you think about it, Line Six is doing something that other people aren't doing. There's no point. All right, if if. What you were saying, what you're saying is is fine, and I and I I don't poo poo it, but why not just get um, an active uh, speaker that, well, that's, that's what flat I, response? And that, that's what I'm saying. That's that's the alternative. But what I want from them is something that's tweaked to work with their modelers, but the, to make it. But the stage source, correctly. the stage source speakers are. But they're. Have you seen the price on them, dude? They're as expensive as this. Yeah. That's the thing. If they if they were like four hundred bucks and compare, okay, so I can go right now. I can go to the store and I can buy an EV, right? Right. For like three hundred fifty dollars. Correct. And it'd be great. So why would I want to pay eight hundred dollars for the stage source? I'm not because, using it as a PA. Because okay. Because if 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 all I'm doing is getting um a, a EV's already got the the market. Why would you buy something other than an EV? If you if all you were looking for was a plain old, I want to plug it in, amplify it. Why not just get a powered EV and be done with it? That's what I would do. And Line Six is going. You know what? Why should we put money into building cabinets? EV's already done. That Mackie's already done. That Custom has already done. Right, right. So here's my context for this. So I went out um, last week, and I and I've had good reputation. From this company, so don't think because they're bargain basement speakers that they are supposed to be bad. Um, right. I bought I bought a pair of Alto TX tens. I tried the TX eights, and we tr- we a beat them. And basically, for the kind of music I'm doing, like we ran some ran through uh, ran some hard rock and stuff through it. And I was like, no, I want the I want the tens. I had some trouble locating them. I got a pair of tens. I got them home, and uh, my first impression was, of course. There's a little bit of, you know, this is not an amp in the room sound that that started at first, but I was like, I can live with that. I understand. I understand that problem. So then, what I what I immediately realized was they couple to the floor when turned sideways. Now they're designed to ha- to be held to be used as a wedge, but they but they had some bad bass coupling, so I ended up returning them. My point is though, line six. Okay, so I could have bought. And and I probably still would. I would probably go back and get the three hundred fifty dollars EV, the other low end uh, wedge. And I, and I probably will at some point. 
Um, but I would just love it if Line Six would get in on this and say, "Look, we'll sell ours for four hundred, and we will make sure that it has the you know like the stock EQ curve on this thing is going to work just as well as what you're going to get out of your uh, just coming right out of your Helix and call it the you know the Helix Cab or something like." Doesn't have to be part of this line. Really, all it is is branding. Uh, they could go to EV and say, "Hey, brand the EV ELX 12, 12 inch, you know, yeah. or whatever," and then say, "Okay, this is I, I want this." Um, but in all honesty, okay, so if I'm looking at when you start um, getting into those, by the way, when you start getting into those three hundred fifty dollar, four hundred dollar powered uh, powered speakers, they do have features in them, which is kind of strange. Like they have. It's not strange. It makes sense. But the, but the thing is, like, I want something stripped down. I don't need the features because I've got it all in the Helix already. Like, they have an EQ, they have the EQ curve thing on the back of some of them. And right, you right. can set it for different environments. I have a global EQ in my Helix. Like, if I need to set something for the environment, I'm not touching the cab. I'm going to touch my Helix. <laughs> okay, so what, I, I think what Line 6 is trying to do here um, is they're trying to align themselves with a broader audience. It's just I like, agreed. Okay, the, agreed. Remember the early Variaxes? They were useless without Line 6 equipment, right? And then somebody said, well, I want pickups that work even if I'm not using the modeling from the, from the Variax. You know, suppose I want to get the James Tyler Variax, but I want right. to play it through my um, uh, Mesa Boogie. Well, sure. So I think what they've done is they've said, okay, we've made this speaker that is Let's face it, if you buy Line 6 end-to-end by Variax, you buy um, the Helix product or the, the um, HD500 product, right? And then you buy the um, uh, speakers that we've just mentioned, you have an end-to-end integration where those MIDI, like your Helix, can control that um, cabinet. It no, can, I know. It can make... Well, I know you know. That's what I'm. I'm getting trust at this me, for Jim, other I know people. all that. I know you know that. I'm. We're, I'm talking about the people that may not know it, and that's the important thing. Is that because you can get control of this whole environment, that whole Line Six environment? I think it's the um, Doobie. Uh, yeah, the Doobie Brothers. Um, one of the guitar players plays at Line Six all the way through. Yep. And um, so when he wants to switch to banjo, done. He just turns the knob. I'm playing a banjo. Yep. Turns yep. it up. I'm playing, you and know. it changes the ri- it changes everything in the rig. Yep. Now that's great. That's cool. I, I, there are problems with that though, and and I, I think we would be doing a disservice to to uh, our audience not to mention this. When they went from so they so the the previous generation of Line Six, they had like the what they called the Dream Rig, which was like the DT series of amps, the Pod HD five hundred, and then. Um, the very acts, right? right? And so you could all these things communicated, and they did cool things together when you use this ring but, together, right? But, but they weren't as integrated as they were before. Well, no, no. This is why this or is what they are now. Where, I should say. No, that's exactly the opposite of what I was going to say. They killed the dream rig concept when they came out with the helix, because even though it has the the uh, line six link capability. It does not function very well with the DT series of amps at all. It does not offer the same level of functionality, like configuring the uh, input-output stages and stuff the same way that the HD500 did. You know what's going to happen? People are actually ticked. Oh, yeah. And you know what's going to happen as a result? New new amp. You're going to have new software. You're going to have 
Oh no, reading. this no, this has been going, Jim. This has been going on for two years, and they and they basically said we're not doing that. Yeah, of course they have, because they're going to come out with a new product. That's exactly what what I'm, what I'm getting at. So if you want to get into this whole idea of like a product ecosystem where everything talks to one another, just understand you're going to have to keep upgrading along with the product ecosystem. So you can't just stay right. in one. Like say, I want to keep my amp from three generations ago and use you know the new. That's the problem with when you get locked into these ecosystems. Play, now, I think, PlayStation and and Xbox, the same yeah. idea. Oh, can't play my old games. They are not compatible with the new one. Got to move I, on. I think this concept, though, may change under Yamaha. So that now that Yamaha owns them, they've been in control, what, like two, three years now? Um, where they where they've been making a lot of design decisions and bringing in people that they that they like to to run line six etc. Yep. I think we may actually see a change where they want that backwards compatibility that they understand that that's part of what drives their business. Right. I was just listening to an um, uh, Richie Castellano, um, the guy I've mentioned a couple times with Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. And he yeah, was talking awesome. about the fact that yeah he is very awesome. Um, he was talking about the fact that he's got a line six that he just keeps very active. That he just keeps for uh, the uh, bluish cult, and it's because they have a very wide variety of things that they'll do. I think that I think that what we get to here is um, Line Six does listen to co- its community. Yes, they do. Line Six will respond. Now they've said that they're not going to make these updates to the current amplifiers, and that's because it might be that. Software isn't enough. It might no, be and I think that's limited. what it is. Right. I think that's what it is, that there, there's something about the connection protocol right. and the way that they're using it in Helix that prevents them from doing this. And that's fine. I just want to, you know, like, it would be cool. So it would be cool to see, because the Helix is kind of its own line over there, right? right? So they have, like, all these Helix products in there. And they, and if you look at the way that they're even, like, branded that on the box itself, it's very clear that, like, Line 6 is very understated, that they want to make make it clear that this is the Helix line. That's so right. fine. They got the DT series of amps, which were their, their dream ring amps. I want to see the next line of amps they come out with called the Helix amp, you know, well, which is basically the, the same concept, but done with the Helix technology. Right. But, you know, so I think the Helix is marketed for the most part towards non-line six player. Oh, you yeah. Are, no, you it, de- it definitely, it definitely is. Well, I used to be line six player, and I and I left because I got tired of the bullshit. Right. I get and I get and, tired of having shit plummet in value. <laughs> correct. And I, I I do too. And the thing that that I see here is, um, line right now the helix is, it's marketed towards the person that doesn't have any other line six gear, but they can put the the helix in, and it's one size fits all. All encompassing, it sits within itself. And like I said to you about um, earlier today, when we had a discussion earlier today, it is then controlled, right? Remote or, or does controls remotely through MIDI controlling. You're able to make changes on the fly. You don't even have to touch it. You can it realistically, yeah, that's right. Realistically, during a gig, you can play end to end, and as long as your gig is is scripted. And MIDI synced. And MIDI synced. You're done. Yeah. And you don't even have to touch it. It could be in the rack. Right. And you don't even see the damn thing. And that's, and that is the person, I think that's the people that it's, it's targeted towards. 
I think that what we're going to see is we're going to see um, an integrated, like you said, end-to-end system. Did you you saw the Dream Rig? The Dream Rig does not include a Helix. Line Six's own no. Dream Rig includes a Variax, an HD five hundred X, and um, those stage speakers. Now, if you take the money, if you take that Helix out, you put the HD five hundred in, you saved a thousand dollars. That's where that speaker comes in play. Well, and then, but but I, but I I want to be clear here. I don't think that that's the dream rig going forward. No, I think that's them. That's the no, current. Jim, Jim. That's the current. That, that dream may be the, No, that's the thing. Right. That's the current one because it's the only one where they have a complete ecosystem. But right. it's out of date. It's two years out of date. Right. And that's the thing. That's not going to be the dream rig going forward. No. They're just continuing to champion it because it already existed. Correct. I, I absolutely agree. I think what's going to happen is now we're going to see a new dream rig. It's still going to have that Tyler, James Tyler, um, uh, not to be confused with James Taylor, folks. Yeah. The James Tyler uh, uh, guitar, and we're going to see a new. We're going to see a new pedal board and a new amp. Yeah, we're going to well, see a completely I don't know different. If we're going to see, I, I don't even know if we're going to see a new pedal board, Jim. I think the Helix is it. No, I think I just I think, think they need an amp to go with it. Right. And that's why I looked at this, and initially, my first initial thought was, "Oh, that's the missing piece of the Dream Rig." Not yet. Like that, that everybody was talking about with the Helix. I don't know. Now, I bet you we're going to see a demo. And uh, have you seen any Line Six demos where they've said, "Yeah, you can, you can or can't do this"? Uh, with what the the power cab? With this new one? Yeah. Uh, power well, cab. What what specifically will we be we, where, will we where be talking about? Your Helix. It integrates becomes... fine with. No, it integrates fine with the Helix. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like this is that's what I'm saying. This is probably the next step of that concept. So what I'm waiting for now, to be completely honest with you, is the new Variax because. Yes. I think there's a couple of features that you and I identified in our conversation earlier today that are yep. missing and yeah. that need to be there. Like the big one for me is the fact that you can't use the Variax for MIDI triggering without an external MIDI pickup. Yep. And the technology already exists in Variax to do this. And I mean, for 10 years, I've been screaming, why in the hell can I not play a piano with my Variax? I think that's what we're going to see next. I think we're going to see non stringed instruments. We're going to see woodwinds. We're going to see um, uh, violins, anything that's not picked, you know, right. like that's going to be an option for, for very X. I mean, and, doesn't and, that make sense? They're already yeah, modeling and, a, a banjo. They're already modeling, you know, all these other things. Why not model woodwinds or now, line six? Brass. If you are listening and I have friends who work at line six that are on my Facebook page. So you might be listening. If you are listening, please, for the love of God, make some decent looking guitars. Holy oh my crap! Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Holy crap! They're ugly. The shuriken was not thinking? it. <laughs> oh, and that was th- no. The shuriken. Okay, so that guitar, the guy that 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 um, they used to do a lot of the demo work and stuff for it. He actually designed that guitar, brought it to them, and they were like, right. "Oh, we'll build that for you. We'll build that for you." Yeah. I just, I just wanted to scratch my eyes out. Like, do you have a design, a visual designer there? Right. What in the hell? What were you thinking? Uh, well. It, to be fair, they hired James Tyler to do the to do the higher end guitars. Yes. And if anybody knows, go look at, at at the old Tyler guitars headstock from before he joined Line Six and started becoming part of that whole thing. Yep. Look at the old Telly headstock. Oh my God, it's it's the most ugly thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It it looks like somebody took a brick and just shoved it into a Telly headstock. I don't. I, I, yeah. First of all, the Shuriken. What the hell? Right. I mean. 
if I wanted to go, buy a guitar from Reptile Dentistry, I'd go to Reptile Dentistry Facebook group and I'd buy one. <laughs> and the and the headstocks on the very axes is just poop. But at least it's different. I'll give them that. They've done a they've done a couple. Of, okay, so they have the the one Strat style that's like their standard or whatever. Yep. Um, they they did a really pretty blue or it was a purple flame yep. uh, special edition for. And they're doing more. They're doing different colors. I love that editions purple for one. Sweetwater. I remember they're doing seeing black. that. They're doing a black one, too. Yep. I and, remember uh, seeing that purple one, and it was a limited edition, and that thing sold I, fast. I think they're going to continue to do more of them, so I'm kind of keeping my eyes peeled. But I don't think I'm going to buy a Variax until I see the next Variax. Yeah, I That think, technology is due for a major update. Yep. I think so, that we're going to see it. I mean, come on. All they've got to do is is add it to the modeling. Tracking the notes, model it up, it, it, it's going to happen. Well, I mean, you heard it here, folks. New Variax, we need it. Right. We need new Variax. We need, we need uh, an update on the Dream Rig and, and call it Dream Rig 2.0. I don't care what the hell you call it, but I just want to get some clarity as to, in terms of what products they would recommend. Because that's what the Dream Rig was for me when I saw the, that concept and they, and they unveiled it. It was kind of like, well, this is well, I six egg. This is what we would recommend for the gigging guitar player. Do you think that the reason that they didn't um, uh, come out with a new uh, a Variax yet is because people are still not? How do I say this? You think that it's because people are still looking at the Variax as not a real guitar? I mean, there is a certain amount of the community um, that is saying, oh, well, you know, Variax isn't as good as, you know, a regular guitar. I think, yes. I think, Jim, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of people look at the Variax and go, why can't those electronics be retrofitted into another instrument? Which I understand the logic and the, and, and behind that. They, they've said that each skew of Variax has basically its own the, the the electronics and the flash that 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 are used to run the the device the EP ROM is different for each model because it has to be because the the the, the guitar uses the body and stuff in the way um, that that it handles the modeling and the way that the modeling is applied and so that's why it's not really retrofitable. I know people have done it. Uh, I've heard varying results. So that's kind of my thing. Like I understand that, but I, I and and. To their credit, they understand that they've obviously identified the market. There's really three types of guitars that people buy, which is a Stratocaster, a Telecaster, and a Les Paul. The problem is they've only re- they, are, they, they decided that they were going to take Les Paul and the Telecaster and make them one guitar, <laughs> and which just boggles my mind. Um, I would rather – look, everybody does it. Everybody makes a knockoff guitar. Don't act like you don't. I mean, hell, Gibson even made – bolt-on strat looking guitars in the 80s oh yeah um so my point is let's take a step back for line six let's look at your product line for your very and say look we need a guitar that looks more like not uh, i don't want your take on a strat i just want a workable strat that doesn't look like shit i don't want your take on a les paul tele hybrid i want a les paul and a telecaster and right. they better not look like shit I don't care. You know, honestly, the headstock is like, yes, they're not great looking headstocks, but that's not as big a deal to me as the bodies that look like crap. I mean, honestly, if I wanted to play guitar that looked like a Harmony or or yeah. a Univox, 
Yeah, the I go buy a Harmony or a Unibox. Cheap. I, they I, do. They look. Uh, they look ridiculous. They look like lower end Samics, and that's you know. You know what they look like? Because I saw some the other day. Jay Terzers. Oh, Jay Terzers. Yep. They're actually, their Les Paul model um, looking thing looks just like a Jay Terzers. Yeah. Now that you mention it, terrible. So, so it's terrible. Um, terrible. This this episode's going long. Let's 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 talk about this. So when I went out yesterday, I, I obviously yes. got that Gino. I went to a local music shop that I don't normally frequent. I haven't been in there in 10 plus years. Guitar center? No, 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 no. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) So I went to Perry's Music in, um, they're in uh, Villa Park, Illinois, for those of you who are local. Um, And Perry's, Perry's has kind of a reputation amongst local guys. Uh, It has... I'm trying to put this as positively as possible. A lot of people shop there. Okay. A lot of people get work done there. Okay. They have a lot of weird guitars. Okay. okay. They will take, uh, they will take fucking anything on trade. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like some of the shit I've seen in there. I'm like, you traded for a Dean amp. Like what the fuck? Like a little, like one by 10 Dean, you know, practice amp. It's like you traded somebody for this thing. Yeah. Um, they have, Here's where it gets funny. They have GNL. That's their that's their main line right now, as far as I'm concerned. They have PV. Huh? Um, that's their secondary line. They have no other major manufacturers really. They have Jay Herzer. They have a selection of strange import guitars. Um, I can remember seeing Lotuses and stuff in that place, and just being like, I thought Lotus was like mail order only, like. Um, <laughs> I would not be surprised to walk through there and see some of the new silver tones and that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, they ha- and they have a lot of guitars. I don't know that many of them are worth playing. Here's where I'm going to give them a bad rap. And if they don't like it, they can kiss my ass because I honestly, I number one, I went in the store. Nobody really talked to me per se. The guy behind the counter like gave me a cable and he was nice. I give him that much. Um, but nobody like came up to me and tried to woo me on buying an instrument, not really woo me or just, you know, Hey, what do you think of this? There was none of that going on. Um, I played two GNLs while I was there. I played a Comanche tribute, which wasn't particularly fond of. And I played the S 500 that I went to another store and bought. And here's why when I flip this guitar over and I'm looking at the fretwork along the fretboard, I can see where they've done their, their house setup. Which, by the way, they they advertise on every single ticket in that store yep. that their, their setup is worth seventy five or eighty five dollars depending yeah, on the guitar. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you you have to set it up. You want to sell the damn thing, you're gonna set it up. Yeah. Exactly. And don't act like don't act like that's a value. I'm yep. sorry, but in this day and age, if you can't get a free setup when you buy a guitar, you should be shopping there, right? So they go ahead and do it, and then they tack it on and make it look like you got an incredible value. No, you didn't. That's fucking bullshit. So yep. what got me was I flipped this guitar over and I look at their I look at their wonderful primo eighty five dollar setup that they did to this S five hundred and they literally took a bastard file because there was like some there was oh. some like gnarly fret ends and they they dude they they filed it down and it was smooth but it went right into the finish right into the finish oh. all the side of the guitar it was ridiculous I'd never seen anything so bad in my life and I thought about it and I looked at it and I was like. You gotta be kidding me. Like this is not this is you know, you didn't even try to buff this out. Like oh. you know, you, you chattered the shit out of it and then you didn't even try to buff it out. 
like, oh, there's the $85 setup. I just laughed and fucking put the guitar back on the wall and left. I was like, this is ridiculous. They got some weird stuff in there, though. They got um, got the shark guitar. They, of course, got the Daisy, like, flower guitar. And yep, they've had yep, the Daisy for, Rock. Oh, God. They've had those for years. Um, and, you know, the thing against me, and, they, I, and I, I'm probably going to catch some shit locally for this. Because I know guys are friends of Perry's. And Perry's an okay guy. He's employed some of my friends. He's employed yep. uh, friends' parents, in fact. Right. Um, but I'm going to say this because I think it needs to be said. He sits in the back and he tries to get everybody to buy PV speakers. If you blow a, if you blow a Celestian, you bring your amp in, he's going to say, oh, well, I can give you a PV Black Shadow. Or I can give you, you know, it's like, dude, in no fucking way, in no <laughs> fucking way is a PV speaker comparable to what you're going to get from either an eminence or a celestian speaker i'm not an eminence or celestian fanboy but i've had other speaker companies yep. and there and i've had pv fucking amps you know what one of the biggest mods that people do to their classic 30s is pull that fucking blue marvel speaker out and throw it in the trash yep. it's shit because right? it's garbage and these guys want to fucking act like oh well pv's great we can upgrade your speakers for x amount of dollars and it sounds just as good or better you're fucking nuts I'm just going to say it right now. You're fucking insane. There's no way in hell that a speaker that costs half the amount of money that you're going to pay for either a Celestian or a fucking Eminence speaker is going to sound as good. Period. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And they do this with everything. I'm not just talking guitar amps. People bring in their fucking PA systems. And they're like, oh, I got a blown woofer or whatever. And they're like, oh, we'll, we'll throw a fucking PD in there. Oh, are my you, God. Are you fucking... And then I... Listen, I've heard of people going in there and they bring, you know, they got they got one of their two mains, you know, yeah. from their from their PA system, and they'll throw a PV speaker in one and then expect the whole system to sound as good. It's like you can't replace one and not have it match the other. You're not going to have the right fucking stereo image, you dumbass. All right, so there's <sighs> this there's this uh, thing you've got to see at our local guitar center. There is a 1989 uh, PV VTM guitar tube head. Let me send this. And I hate to see it, Jim. I can't. It, it, okay, so this is a real 1989 freaking PV. Let me tell you something about PV Hartkey or Hartkey PV or whatever his name is. Let me tell Hartley. You. Hartley. Hartley PV. That's it. Hartley. 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 That's Lee. it. Hartley. That's it. He has no fucking heart, but. <laughs> yeah. So Hartley. Um, oh, my God. Back then, he got this bunch of old tubes. And he put them in this VTM sixty. I remember hearing this story before. And they are awful. It is the worst sounding amp I've ever heard in my entire. It puts the low. Do you even know the designations? And low is it like a fucker? Is that what we're talking about? Yeah. You know, has thirty three tubes that do absolutely nothing. Yep, it's a fucking fucker. (laughs) Yep, it is a fucking fucker. It is the worthless, most worthless pile of shit. And you know what's funny is one of the guys walked in there, so my um uh my friend that's there, uh Richie goes, Jim, have you heard this? You know, and I thought he was gonna <laughs> tell me about this great amp, but he goes, This thing is a pile of shit. <laughs> you know what gets me? You send me this fucker and it's five hundred dollars. And it's five that's what he said. He said, I can't believe somebody took this in on trade. Who the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like he's like He's like, Jim, I'm trying to figure out which of my fucking employees bought this piece of shit. Yeah, because he's one of the managers. He's like, oh, I would not have brought this in. But I had to laugh because 
because um, obviously they gave somebody two hundred and fifty bucks or three hundred bucks for this thing. Yeah, dude. Like, no. What they did was they took a guitar or something that they were they were trying to get rid of, and they were like, "Fuck it, we'll eat it." Yeah. So they <laughs> they took a two hundred, probably a two hundred fifty dollar used Epiphone or something. Gave it this guy because he obviously has no ear. Whoever brought this in has no ear. Who knows? Who knows what this was being used for? And it, it actually, for the looks of it, it's in pretty good condition. Yep. Chances are it was never even fucking used. Oh, yeah, but like, if you zoom in on it, you'll see the rust. There's oh, rust yeah, around well, all the connections on that thing. Yeah, but you're going to have rust on an amp of but, that age. Yeah, this is a 35-year-old amp. I mean, Especially in this area where um, we get a lot of humidity. I just, sure. I saw that thing and I went, oh, good God, please, no. No. <laughs> Just, please no, please. And I, uh, you know, I, I look at I look at amplifiers. Some I think are a little overpriced. They've got a Mesa Boogie um, Express five fifty two by twelve, and it's I know it sounds awesome, but underrated. Oh. Amp. Those are the most underrated amps on earth. But it weighs you, three thousand pounds. Oh, it, fucking Mark weighs about as much as that. What's that? My Mark Five Twenty Five in the cabinet weighs as much as a fucking Express. Yeah, but they're spre- they're they're separate. You can grab the Mark Five and then grab the- my Mark Five weighs nothing, Jim. My fucking yeah. cabinet weighs as much as most people's combo amps. Oh yeah, but that's because that Mesa makes some of the most incredible, incredible um, cabinets. Very yeah, well I made. Love, yeah, I love their cabinets. I think we talked about them earlier this episode. I think we did. They're they're great cabs. One of these days, I'm gonna get because I have um I have a full size recto 112. I want to get the compact recto 112 that matches my amp because my amp is the basket weave and my my uh cabinet is just the black grill cloth. But I but I've also been thinking about getting the 212 vertical, yeah. the slant 212 vertical. And we, actually, it, the price difference is not that much. Um, and then maybe the way I end up going. But when you think about it, so that PV um, VTM 60 head that I was talking yeah. about, that is. I mean, that's one of those pawn shop classics. Oh, it's a pawn shop turds, what it is. Well, no, I mean, there are people that that's what they want. They want that lo-fi, grindy, um, while you're playing, you also hear FM radio come through your cabinet. (laughs) Now, what's funny is... You you mean Jack White! You're looking for Jack White! I believe there's a podcast that coined this term. How many JWUs does a VTM60 have? If you want to comment on this, we're more than willing to feel the conversation. Uh, so then, yeah, they've got a PV Classic 40 um, or PC, PV Classic 50 with a 4x10 um, for $549. If I was going to buy that, I mean, if I had $500, I'd wait and get, spend the extra 49 but or get the Hot Rod Deluxe 3 for $500, the exact same price. Dude. And get a, I mean, you can get a brand new one. You don't have to worry about the thing fucking rusting. Or a, I mean, they got a Hot Rod Deluxe three forty um, watt one by twelve for for uh, five forty nine, and another one for four hundred. I'm not or five hundred. I'm not sure why. Um, probably one looks a little newer, is all. Um, Sick. You know, this is the. Let's go through the features on this thing real fast so that people can laugh at it. Yeah, it's a sixty watt head. With uh, your pre and post uh, game yep. controls, it has three uh, three band EQ, no presence control, 
what is that system knob? Yeah, that's Fuck what it. I was going to say. So the old VTM60, they did that. Oh, it is a question. Yeah. And then it has a dip switch for different voicing options. Yeah, so you it have the response, voice. yeah, the gain system for the different, res- uh, yeah. And it, the front-mounted effects send and return, which, by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out all amp manufacturers for this. Why the hell? Why are they always in the back? Amp- yeah. Put them on the front oh. where we fucking need them. What a pain <laughs> in the ass. It's not like it's not like all of us have rack mounted freaking gear and rack mounted um, stuff. Most of us, most of us are running our our pedals up where we are. Why is my guitar running into the front of the amp or whatever the pre the pre uh, amp effects going in the front and then the post amp effects probably coming from the same pedal board as mine um, going into the back of the freaking amp. Come on, yeah, bring, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you why. It's it's aesthetics. And pricing, I can put them on the on the back. I don't have as much of a footprint. I don't have to get that extra three inches in the front, and um, it's aesthetically aesthetically more pleasing. But why not put them all on the back then? Fuck it. There was some. I amp- think the reason they get it though. I can't remember whose amp it was, but there is an amp where all your controls were on the back. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember whose it was. I'm. I'm trying to remember. It was one of the one of the jokes of the 2000s. Was oh yeah. So now all my all my controls are on the back. What the fuck are you thinking? All right. So on my Mesa, like this is the one amp you can get, and this is the one amp format you right. can get away with putting shit in the back. That thing has got every fucking control under the sun on it, and it's a lunchbox style. So yeah. they got no room to put an effects loop in the front, and I totally get it. But like an amp like this, this is a full size head, people. Yep. Like. <laughs> In, in, in most full size heads, they put the effects loop in the back, and I'm going, "What the fuck? I don't understand." I'm I don't. You, I don't get it. I don't. That's get it. they put an effects loop on it at all. Oh my god! Don't even get me started on these boutique guys. Some of these oh, boutique companies geez. do not want to include an effects loop because they only go after the purists. Yeah. Listen. Fuck you. Listen. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you and your fucking lunchbox pile of shit that doesn't. We have can't a all be loop. Why do you not? I mean, there's actually no excuse for having um, a lack of effects loop these days in the 500 and up category. At least, I mean, we can't team. all be purists. We can't. No, we can't. Somebody has to push the state of technology forward. And I look, listen. I love pure sounds. Marshall Supers lead 1959 Plexi. That's my jam. But Jesus, put an effects loop on it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on, guys. I don't understand. All I know is that when you're putting um, uh, these amps together and you don't put... I I saw there's some guy around here who builds um, Fender knockoff things. And uh, same thing. It's no effects. Yeah. Like, what? Why would I buy this amp? I just buy the Fender. Yeah. And it's not boutique. Nobody's cork sniffing. And it, and it costs $150 less than yours. All right, so that's the that's the last thing I want to talk about before we end this episode. So we're talking about cork sniffing and this whole like let's make boutique amps that are just like shit from the '60s, yep. and we'll put effects loops in the you know in the back, or we won't put an effects loop on it at all. Like, listen, let's back up for a minute. Little Walter, all right, that's one company that I know of, charging like three thousand dollars for a hand built amp. Yep. All right, let's let's back up for a minute. I get it. 
you're building small run stuff. Okay, when you build small run, it costs more. But does it cost three thousand dollars more? Like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Doctor Z makes comparable equipment, and Doctor Z can do it at a discounted price. Yeah, and they're they're not cheap compared. They're to doing what? small. They're doing small run too. Right. But they're fucking cheaper than than a little Walter. I so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. So yeah, I, if you're thinking about buying a boutique amp, look, I understand. Like, there's an allure to having something that nobody else has. But look, exclusivity isn't the end of everything. You need to understand, and you need to think and prioritize for yourself whether you want to spend the extra money to have something that nobody else has, or whether you want to spend the money to have good tone. Because you can do the same things. Yep. Like you can go buy an off-the-shelf Marshall, find the right one, and then you can compare that to a Mojave or something like that, and you're going to get a comparable amp. The new Marshalls right now, I played the DSL-1, all right? And my impression of it was that this is Marshall going for the throat of Friedman, and they are doing a damn good job of it. I love Friedman's I now because I didn't like them when I first tried them. I've played a couple of them now. I like Friedman amps, but I'm telling you, dude, if you're going to spend $3,000 on a Friedman, why not just go spend $2,000 on the Marshall that's modded to be just like a Friedman? Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, okay, so I'm looking at Friedman's. I've been looking at Friedman's for a while. Um, And the thing that, the thing that kills me about the Friedman is they're unabashedly Marshall. The Marshall yeah, JVM. They make it very clear that's what they do. They they even look like them. So they can't say it, but it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's probably a duck, right? Um, so I could turn around and buy a JVM for the money that, that they want. Why wouldn't I just get the JVM? What have you done? This is the question. This is what this is what Wampler says. He says, Yep, I built the Tumnus. What is the Tumnus like a clon clone, right? Yeah. Right? Okay, so I think the clon- so. But what does the Klon do, or not do, that I want the Tumnus to do? That's what he does. He says, I want the Tumnus to do these things that the Klon doesn't do. And in other words, it's not just a Klon clone. It's, it can do what a Klon does and more. And that's the thing that I'm talking about here is, okay, here's the JVM. You're making, uh, just like these boutique guys we were talking about a minute ago, you're making an amp, sounds, looks, acts exactly like this amp. But why would I buy your amp? What makes your amp better? We know there's an interplay between these companies too. Even when you have like a boutique company, um, and they've made a, a unique product. I will say Friedman. It's all his mods that he's been doing to Marshalls over the years for different people, and um, their their amps are they do sound great. And and there was a while where Marshall was just putting out shit, but now they've taken note. They know Friedman's getting into their market share, and they don't like it, so they put out a new line of amps. Those DSL ones, the, D, the whole DSL line that they've redone is nothing like the old DSL line. Right. Okay. They, they they completely redesigned them, and they sound different, and they sound like they're going for the throat of Friedman. So if you're, I mean, yes, maybe there's a one percent difference, but you're talking diminishing returns. And how much are you willing to pay for that one or two percent? I mean, are you willing to pay a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars for it? Because I'm not. Now, Friedman's the wrong company to pick on in this gym, though, because, no, because Friedman does. Friedman. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not why. Oh, no. that's not why. They're actually, I love them. they're actually, 
No, Friedman is actually reasonably priced. Dude, yes. I don't give a fuck what you love. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll I mean, you can get you a decent you can get a decent Friedman. I was looking at a decent decent Friedman um head for about 1100 that did everything I wanted and it was real I mean yeah, yeah, I mean they got they got some inexpensive amps, but that's yeah. because they went with the Billard's Guild. Right. But but uh, this argument applies to other companies. There are right. plenty of amps doing the doctor's e thing, right? Like, like builders, like small builders doing hand wired, point to point wiring amps that you know they're charging insane amounts of money for that can they can stack right up against the doctor's e who is basically doing the same things. He's even he's even a boutique guy, right? Right, right. And I remember they're, when they're, getting a doctor's e was almost impossible. Yeah, well, it's still damn near. Fifteen years ago, I couldn't get one. a dealer. I I sat in line to get one. I finally settled. I'm using air quotes, people, on a Mesa boogie. Yeah, (laughs) you settled. Well, that's the other thing. They're the weird company because everybody sees them as being a mainstream company now. And Mesa boogie runs just like Doctor Z. Yeah, it's like it's like ten guys in a building. Okay, and people are acting like they're they're as big as Marshall or Fender. You know how many employees Marshall has? Probably hundreds. Oh, hundreds. In the in their in the, just in the they've, factory, they've got more people out there plugging stuff in marketing than than they Marshall than or Mason, than employees. Period. Right. <laughs> you can pro- actually probably more than Mesa has ever had work for them, <laughs> which is that's just crazy to me. So, put it in perspective. What are you paying for when you're buying stuff? Just remember, stay smart about it. And look at it and say, look, is this really worth the extra thousand dollars? Because I'll bet you there's a mainstream manufacturer that does a very similar thing already. Right. And that's that's a great way to close. Um, you know, if you guys have something to to say about this, that would be it would be awesome. Um, we hear a you lot about Jeremy Yellen. Yeah. We <laughs> we hear a lot about this stuff um, in different. Uh, forums um, on different podcasts. Uh, the thing is that okay, so a guy like Doctor Z, right? Where did Doctor Z come from? Where did he uh, get his ideas for his amp? He was getting ideas from from the uh, Ken Fisher of Trainwreck. Number right. one, he was borrowing design ideas and expertise from both Vox, Fender, and Marshall. All three of those companies. So um, he was making something that. Other people were doing some of, but not necessarily doing it. You know, in other words, he was giving us something we didn't have. You wouldn't have the popularity of Dr. Z. And I'm not talking about just the, the cork sniffing popularity. Dr. Z amps are, are, I mean, when you start talking about amps in this price range, you can get a Dr. Z for under two grand. Yeah. With a cabinet. Yes. And, um, that's that's incredible, considering the fact that these things they don't come cheap, but because they don't come, they're not making anything overseas and not doing all that stuff. This is this is really good, high quality, high test stuff, yeah, and it's and but, it's small run, which is part of the price tag, right? But doing it differently, right? So anyway, uh, big fan of Doctor Z products. Yeah, Check them out. Me too. Um, anyway. I have been David. I've been Jim. And I'm trying to get more subdued. But we are both the practical guitarists. Yes, we are. Yeah.